Patrick, we are back. It is another podcast episode, and this one is very exciting because we have a huge guest. She is. She's terrific. Uh, Tamron Hall is with us today. Yes! Um, <laughs> I love your talk show. She's amazing. Oh, my God. Longtime journalist. Anyway, Tamron, I know your whole career, girl. I adore you. I need you to just walk around with me all day and just do that. Just well, do that. <laughs> I will be your hype woman. I love your show. I'm not Tamron, going- <laughs> what about me? I, I'll hype you up. I, listen, I've, I've never heard that enthusiasm from you, okay? okay. I am not going to hijack. I'm not going to hijack this interview, but okay. I will say as an, you are an inspiration to me because my dream is to be a talk show host. You are doing oh. it and living it. And someday I'm going to take you for fabulous champagne and talk to you about the business because I, I love what you're wait. doing. So okay, you you, ha- you had me as champagne, but we're in. I love it. <laughs> but I'll let Patrick get to it because okay. I, we're really we've been excited about this, and I know Patrick has a yeah. lot of questions in regards to Black Lives Matter and just the huge movement that is happening worldwide. Okay. So Tamron, um, again, thanks for joining us. You are terrific. Um, as I've communicated to you in the past, I, so I just want to get your initial thoughts. What is what is the last three weeks since the um, which, since the tragic death of George Floyd and and then the protests and and now as we move into I guess it would you know start to discussing policy phase and, and how do we reform the fund whatever you want to call it um, just to get some context you know you know the emotions you have felt over the last several weeks and 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 just to get you a chance to kind of put that in context for us you know, honestly, Patrick, the thing that comes to mind, at least today, today, so I will try to be in the present, is that it, it was avoidable. I feel that everything that's happened since George Floyd's death, Breonna Taylor, by the way, who was killed in her home, unarmed, yeah. asleep in her bed before Mr. Floyd, was something that we could have dealt with as people. You know, I've been doing this uh, TV thing (laughs) since 1990. Rodney King was 1992. So for 25 years, we've been cataloging, archiving, keeping video confrontations involving Black men, and in the case of Tamir Rice, a Black child, either through audio or video, watching these events. And at some point, why couldn't we, as people, rationalize that, hey, is there something here? Is there something that we can do to protect citizens, but also to protect police? Yeah. And that's that's what is so concerning to me today, that I don't say that to, to make it a simple thing. Don't get me wrong. It was never going to be simple. But it seems avoidable. You have a 12-year-old child who was in a park who was killed within seconds of a police officer getting out of his vehicle. Yep. A 12-year-old. Is it systemic racism? Is it? Is it ignorance? Is it lack of education, training? Because clearly the, 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 um, the inequities that black America has faced 
is is not isolated to how police respond to those individuals. It's 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 systemic in some nature in the justice system as a whole. So is it a combination of all of that? Well, or what, where, what, think, what could we have done? Where did we fail? Well, you know what, listen, I think it's systemic and I don't isolate it to the black experience. Many laws throughout the world have been unfairly used to persecute people and carried out by the people deemed the authorities. The Holocaust, the genocides in Rwanda, Black slavery, Jim Crow laws. Those were laws. Jim Crow wasn't an idea. It was a law. So who was assigned to carry out the law? The police. Right. And oftentimes throughout, I'll isolate it to the U.S. experience, police have been used to carry out laws that we now in 2020 deem inhumane, unjust, unfair, wrong, and now illegal. You cannot hang a human being. Yep. You know, I, I was shaken to my core the other, you know, I don't, I don't live on social media that much. I'll go on and promote our show and engage a little bit, but it's not a space that I'm always comfortable in because I do think people just say, you and I are kind of the same, Patrick. I'm a say it to your face kind of person. I'm not a say it to your tweet. So yeah. I'll use it as best I can to have an effective conversation. But I logged on to social media the other day and there was a, picture uh out of Duluth of a crowd of white men smiling and posing in beautiful jackets and hats and they happened to be posing around the bodies of three black men that had been hanged that picture was turned into a postcard that picture is probably somewhere in someone's home that their grandfather left behind that they probably hide or shamed of, or maybe be proud of, depending on your journey. My grandfather was born in 1901. My grandmother was born during slavery. Tamron Hall, the woman you backed for a talk show, is one generation from this. My mother was born in 1950. Her school was segregated. She went to the black school. So Tamron Hall's mom had to go to the black school that was not equal, you know? Yeah. And so I think that we have, you know, I know a lot of times we start the slavery conversation at the middle passage and then yeah. fast forward, but there's so many things that have been part of the system hmm. that qualify this, I believe, as a conversation about systemic racism and who we see as human. Yeah. You know? And I, I think about that Amy Cooper video out of Central Park. Yeah. And you know how many people started the conversation with that poor dog? And I'm a dog owner and a do I have my dog sitting right here and I have a bird. You know, but there were people who saw the horrors of the dog before they saw that if he didn't have that, not just on audio, because the audio would have probably done him in as well. Right. But we had the video to see this woman who lives in diverse liberal New York in Central Park could make us feel like this was a throwback to 1950. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's what's what's. For lack of a better word, what's interesting about the Amy Cooper incident that 
in now retrospect was extremely telling because that was uh, prior to George George Floyd. There was a, there was so much wrong with that. Now that you look back, even more so than the original video, which you realize was awful from her perspective. The fact that she was threatening to call the police, as she knew that would be more intimidating or threatening mm-hmm. to the individual, and and the fact and to your point of the fact about the dog, I will say. To your point about, you know, you know, you know, slavery, you know, we, we tend to start at the middle point in terms of, of, of black history. I do think, you know, from my perspective, and tell me if I'm wrong, the reaction to the Amy Cooper, yes, there was a lot of people talked about the dog, but it was also pretty harsh and swift. The, oh, yeah. company, the company reacted, Frank, Franklin Templeton acted very swiftly to, to terminate her. It seems like a ton of progress has been made, but we still have so far to go. How do we get there? First of all, I don't know where there is because we're all not going to agree. You know what I mean? I just said the other day to someone, I actually don't care if everyone sees me as an equal to them. I care that there are laws and rules implemented Mm. that if you decide to rob me of my humanity by attempting to take my life, there are consequences. You know that I work with survivors of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. A person attempts to take another person's life in, a, in an act of domestic violence suffers consequences of that. Now one could say that is misogyny ingrained in our minds that women are not equal and that they are property and men can do and say and beat their wives because that's how what his grandfather did and that's what his dad did and that's how he is. Well, guess what? The laws that his grandfather did not have, we have to protect us. So I'm not expecting everybody to say, I can get what you're going through. But I do expect there to be laws in place, Patrick, that God forbid you get a call that this happened to Tamron Hall, someone you know, that there are consequences to it. And that yeah. I would, and that certainly would include the application of justice equally. Right. That's what I mean by the consequences, right. not an enactment of revenge, <laughs> because right. that's the whole right. topic. I'm talking about legal consequences. So, if there is a police officer, why would that officer get immunity if the act was deemed illegal? You know the consequences of it. I think you think about this George Floyd incident, or you know Amar Arbery. 84 Mm -hmm. days it took for an arrest, not to go before the jury, an arrest. And that, so if that had not happened, if, you know, the officers involved with, we now know that there was some kind of negotiation going on behind the scenes of a plea bargain, but the public wasn't privy to that. If we believe that there would be a review of this, an independent review, arrest, charges, but what we all instinctively knew would we've seen the protests? Probably not, because in the end, what were they protesting? They were protesting the fact that this was another incident in clear view of a person unarmed with a knee on his neck saying, I can't breathe, six short years away from George, I mean, Eric Garner saying Eric the Garner. same yeah. words. And so they didn't just say, oh my gosh, here's this video of this black man, we're gonna protest. It was the delay in action by the government, by the system. 
You know, I just saw a story yesterday of the um, 911 operator, I guess, in the camera of the police dashboard, the dashboard camera, the 911 person can see the transaction of what was going down. And I may be calling their title wrong, but anyway, someone within the police department has access to the webcam. That person has not been identified. The story was revealed yesterday. That person was watching in real time, immediately ran to a supervisor and said, something is wrong here. I've never seen this. The blue line wasn't wide enough to deny that. And that's what, so imagine within a day, if there just been an arrest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, where would we be? What what role do, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. What, yeah, go for it. What role do you think unions play in this? Like you talk about the blue line. <sighs> Gosh, you know, I think, and I, I, I say this as, as honestly as I can, and knowing that there may be, a lot of people upset. I believe the police union has done a disservice to its officers. Yeah, I agree. I think that they have acted like people solely focus on keeping their power. You know, even down to fighting the body cams. It's like, wait a minute, that should have been the police union's idea. Because guess what? This gets a good officer, as they like to say, or people like to say, out of bad trouble. That the camera helps the citizen and the officer. How could you be against that? Yeah. Tamara, no, I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, I was just saying that's that breaks my heart because I feel like the police are being there are black police officers. There are brown police officers. There are women. This this notion that Police means white, straight guy. It's not true. But yet I saw a police press conference the other day with the union head and there were all white officers. I saw that. Yes. You're like. And I just thought, wow, is that what you see yourself as the voice of the white officer? I had a young black officer on our show uh, Friday. We did a show called Hear Us Now talking to the young voices. He's an officer in North Carolina. Um, just smart and what you could just see it, you know, and he said, I joined the police department because I wanted to be on the inside to impact change. And, you know, he was on a take with other officers, mostly white, who said that was murder. What happened to George Floyd was nothing in the handbook that they were taught. He's joined the very police. Now he's 28, 25. So he lives in that window of the Rodney King video to now. And he still loves society and service enough to join the team. He's probably been told his whole life is not for him. Yeah. I was going to ask you what you think of the defund the police sort of term. You know, I think we've talked about it. We talked about it last week that we like what is happening because really defunding is almost reallocating police yeah. funds to to help them with whether it's identify a someone that has maybe mental illness or to do more community programs. What do you think? Do you think that slogan is the right thing that should be up right now? Defund police. Or do you think it's the wrong wording? Well, people said that about Black Lives Matters. And now all of our networks have a hashtag on their on their pages. So sometimes you can be ahead of the curve. 
and on the right side because there are companies now that have Black Lives Matters that I never imagined because they were fearful of alienating other people. Right. Roger right. Goodell said he was wrong. Yeah. I mean, NASCAR has banned Confederate flags. I mean, I don't think that story gets talked about enough, by the way, not just because I think they believe they're betting on Bubba in this case with NASCAR, yeah. it seems like, but they, I mean, these big moments. So going back to the core of your question, listen, we don't always get the titles right, but it's the intention and mm -hmm. it's up to the people to explain it. The people who are on cable news, the people who are being interviewed, because that's just a divergent. I mean, we get caught up in that name and we get caught up in, wait a minute, you mean black lives, all lives matter. Well, of course all lives matter, but not everybody being killed blank, 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 blank amount of years on camera. Right. Yeah. So I think that, but we, I think in some ways got played to believe that here's a word that means you're not as important as me. So now a few people are going to use that to say, Patrick, Sarah, that means you don't matter. That means she's more important than you. Yeah. When I think we all knew, and now a six short year span since that phrase was ever coined into a hashtag, major corporations, media, Walmart, all are using it. Why? Yeah. Yeah, no, listen, I, 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 uh, I kind of I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, you probably uh, didn't have a chance because when you joined, uh, President Trump was speaking from the Rose Garden and he put forth an executive order. I'm just going to throw a few things out. He banned chokeholds nationwide um, unless the cops, uh, police officer's life is an immediate uh, risk. He created a national, they're, they're going to create a national database that will put uh, credible accusations against officers into the database so they can't move from uh, precinct to precinct or uh, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. He is, uh, he's asking the DOJ to create where social workers would have to respond to a variety of calls like domestics and so forth. Uh, and then there's going to be, uh, I can't remember the, the amount of money grants for, so uh, police departments will have to get certified at a certain level for uh, completing de-escalation training and use of force training. Um, and again, it's an executive order. It's not legislation necessarily. Um, I'm not going to ask you to come on unless you want to, because I just, we, he literally was on, uh, on the air when uh, you were joining the call. So there's- Yeah, I was watching it. I saw it. Oh, okay. okay. Um, look, the reality is maybe the unions will listen to the president. Um, remember he famously said or infamously said that you know he had the bikers and the military and the cops or something to that effect. So I don't know who will challenge the police union, but maybe this is the person. Um, because honestly, I think that that is a major part of this as a reporter that I've experienced. I mean, well, you know, when I was a reporter in Chicago, I remember the incident would happen and within a second, you'd have a very tersely, narrowly worded message from the police union. 
And it pretty much had the buck stops here. And we're not talking about this. Yeah. I'm just being honest. So often, you know, um, those police uh, statements were very generic, didn't speak to the people or the concerns, not just of the black community, of the community. Because when one of us is hurting all of us, I had someone the other day ask me, you know, a, a white friend of my family, you know, how do I understand this? And, you know, he's a parent. He's got three kids. He lived in uh, Brentwood, California, in the industry, now lives in Tennessee. Um, by all accounts, a wonderful person, um, great wife um, and family man. And he said um, something along the lines of not understanding. And I said, and it kind of hurt me, to be honest with you, because obviously, you know, I, I'm, I'm in an interracial marriage. My husband is Jewish. Um, and I said, help me understand why it's so hard for you to understand this, but was so easy for me as a kid to understand the Holocaust. Hmm. The first time I saw the image, the first time I was in school, yeah, no one had to walk me through the horrors of that. Right. No one had to. I, I didn't. I grew up in Texas. I didn't know if Jewish was a religion or a race. I knew it from the Bible. <laughs> it was like Jesus was Jewish. And that was enough for me. It's like, yeah. you know, I didn't learn the culture, the complexities of the experience in literal terms, honestly, until I was 16 and a boy named Eric Newmark asked me out on a date. And my friend said, oh, that Jewish guy likes you. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, but no one had to explain to me. I didn't know what a Seder dinner was. No. But I knew what was happening to those people in that picture that I saw in the black and white video that I saw was horrifying. Yeah. And I didn't want it to happen to anyone. Yeah. So I didn't understand that. And that's the frustration I have with, you know, the conversation about, you know, help me get it. I, I understand the question of understanding the history of policing and all of these things. And because a lot of people don't know, particularly in the South, police officers, many of them were members of the Klan. And there's a dark history with our policing in this country. Um, someone said the other day, the FBI is nonpartisan. I'm like, have you ever heard of Hoover? No, yeah. I mean, it's like, we like, yeah, right. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. What are you talking about? It's like, Tamron, it's, it's do you silly. think in talking about the, the white friend, do you think white people are getting it more this time? I, I it, it took me a couple years ago when I had black friends and people of color say to me, it's not our responsibility to educate you and to help you deal with how you feel about racism. And that really clicked for me years ago. And so, you know, slowly, you know, you really begin to educate yourself. But you see that conversation a lot now. Do you think white people are getting it? more that we have to put in the work that we have to you know to educate ourselves and it's not our responsibility to ask black people all the time to guide us through this well i think white people always got it the civil rights movement i mean marlon brando and paul newman the coolest white dudes around at the time were standing side by side with martin luther king um you know i'll go to popular culture and music, uh, John Lennon. I mean, come on, imagine yeah. the template of what we would want. And those are just celebrity names, but you know, in Money, Mississippi, the three people who were killed and buried by the Klan was Jewish and black. You know, there's no, I don't think that, I think in modern terms, in modern times, we all have struggled to find our voice and our, our seat at the table. But the latter part of Malcolm X's life, he talked about needing white allies and mm. them having a role in this. That was a complete rejection, by the way, of what he'd been taught with the Nation of Islam. Mm. Angela Davis, Dr. Davis talks about the role of white allies. So this isn't a new conversation, 
yeah, we, we want to, we don't want to step on anybody's toes. And so you say, oh, okay, well, is that my place or what? Yeah. Okay. Well, what can I do? That's in anything. You know, yeah. I, I remember being in TV before I had my son and Newtown happened and mm. I was the only non-mom on the Today Show at the time. And everybody kept saying, as a mom, as a parent, this is the worst thing that ever. And I was like, hello, I'm not just sitting over here eating bonbons. Yeah. Children were massacred. You know yeah, I, mean? I don't have so, feelings. I'm yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like, well, that time like, you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. To, your, to your point, you don't need a mom, you don't need to be a father or mother to know about, you know, child rape Pain. or domestic yes. violence or... Yes. I, so, so I, I had a, a, a black executive say to me that because we were talking about how people are getting fired and <laughs> and, you know, the, the New York Times um, uh, editor had to resign due to the op ed for from Tom Cotton and the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, editor based on the, the, the headline. I think it was uh, Buildings Matter 2 and, mm. and so forth. And and the way he he said it to me was he said there's there's ignorance there's insensitive comments, there's prejudice and stereotyping, and then there's flat out racism. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you agree with that? Are, are there degrees of racism or is it all yeah. racism? Oh yeah, absolutely there are. And I, that's a conversation I've been having as of late with people like, you know, with cancel culture. It's like, what does that mean? You know, uh, how, you know, is there is there a number count on when we're like, okay, now you're racist. You said three things and so you're out. You know, I don't know. I know that there is a difference. I I know in my heart. Um, when I, I'm very reluctant to call someone a racist um, because I grew up in Texas and I'll give you an example. I don't know, two years ago, my mother calls me in, and I'm visiting and she said, oh, can you come down and say hi? This guy who does uh, her gardening and he's a lawn man. And I said, Oh, mom, I don't feel like I'm, you know, come on, just wave at him, please. He's always helping your mom. And come on, come on. I'm like, all right, fine. I'm like, I grudgingly <laughs> go over to the window, wave at her lawn guy. Nice guy. He's in straight up camo with a Make America Great hat on, waving and blowing kisses, saying I'm his favorite on Deadline Crime, which is the crime show I've done. Yeah. He is the lawn guy for a black woman blowing kisses at her black daughter with Make America <laughs> It was like a skit from a Chappelle show. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I have liberal friends in the media who would call him a straight up racist. I don't know his heart. I know he was blowing kiss. Now, that doesn't mean he's not a racist either. You right. can right. kiss at a black woman and still be that. But he was going on about my hard work and he was so happy and he happened to even take a dig at my prior employer and how stupid he felt they were and da, 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 da. so he was in he was in he's he all was in on you fan. yeah okay yeah he was in and so you know i don't know i am more concerned back to the start of our conversation with the systemic racism that says okay we only need one black person to look good when we show the group picture hmm. Or we only want a woman in the group picture so that we can say, okay, we tried. You know, those things are concerning. Um, They happen even within our women's circle. You know, I've, I've told a lot of women who were involved in Me Too and a lot of women who talk about the inequalities that women face every day. 
I say, you know, you all complain about, rightfully so, walking into a room full of men. I walk into rooms full of white women, you know, or I walk into rooms, especially in the Northeast corridor of women and men in the media who've only gone to Harvard, who have only live on the Upper West Side and have a very similar perspective of life. We're better when as many of us can be at the table qualified as possible. And the conversation of, you know, diversity often goes to, well, you know, you should get there because you can, or, you know, or this is a quota count. I remember when I had, I'll tell you the story, when I got hired uh, cable news, it was right after Don Imus was fired. Um, that's when the announcement came, but I actually had been hired prior to people didn't know it. I just had to finish up a contract that I had in Chicago. And there were people who called me token hall mm. thinking that I'd been hired as a cleanup job for the IMAS uh, debacle with the Rutgers um, players when he made the offensive comments about them. And discussed right. comments about them. So, you know, I get it that people get confused about it. They think that their spot is going to be taken so that someone else can get, in, but that is precisely what happened with the Holocaust, with the genocide of Rwanda. That that is what happens with racism in this country. There are people who would have you believe that you are losing so someone else can win or get in, and they prey upon that. Whether it's Italian immigrants, Irish. I mean, look at our country's history. Yeah, we focus a lot on black and white, but in historical perspective, just pull up some of the political cartoons of the day. That's one of my obsessions because obviously people hide behind cartoons because it's a cartoon. It's supposed to be harmless, but it's, you know, steep in racism and sexism. And you look at some of the early cartoons that were published about Irish immigrants, Italian immigrants, folks just coming here to try to make their way. And they're depicted as these horrible, exaggerated features, moochers, derelicts. And then black people the same way, because that means that's the system playing us. And we all and all of our grandfathers and great grandfathers and grandmothers have been victims of it. Hmm. Just a few more questions. So as, as a as a famous black female who has a national platform, has the last three weeks adjusted how you'll do your show or, or put any more pressure on you to address these issues? Or have you always felt that was part of, of what you needed to do um, as you ascended throughout your career? Listen, I feel like it's a part of my career. You know, like I said, I started out with Rodney King rides, you know, and I have covered many, many, many instances of sadly this since then. You know, Walter Scott running slowly from a police officer being shot in the back. Mm. You know, so I don't I don't feel pressure um, to speak up as a black woman um, because to me, pressure implies that there's an unwanted that I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I want to use my platform to be of value. You know, I love laughing. I love, you know, the fun that we can bring. But at the end of the day, I want to occupy a space where I can say I added value to the conversation. And that's why we picked up your show from the beginning. Oh, thank 
excuse. And we, you know, you and I talked about like, there's going to be this moment. We didn't know, but part of the pitch of the show was that, yes, we'll have celebrities and we'll do this and that, but inevitably there will come a time where something like this happens. And so is my goal to be a unifying voice? I can't take on that. That's above my pay grade, but it can be a voice um, that says, let's listen. Let's have this conversation. I'm not big on shaming people. I know there was a big thing about white friends calling and the meme and are you okay? I'm like, listen, if somebody's picking up the phone and asking you, are you okay? Take the call, you know? Yeah. And, and, and as in the case with my friend who frustrated me, I was comfortable enough articulating that. And at the yeah. end of the conversation, he was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. 60 something years on this planet, he'd never equated the two. Yeah. You know, even though both groups of people have been enslaved, enslaved, you know, so I just think that I um, I look forward of all of this, this is sadness and this grief and the timing of it with COVID-19. I do think the key component, which we've been reluctant to address, is that we've got to fix as best we can policing in America. Mm -hmm. And I think white people who are now saying they're having a different kind of talk with their children and acknowledging this is real, that you can be pro-police and anti-police brutality. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But that's people great. people don't think that. You know, right. people don't think that. They think the minute you criticize a police, the retort has to be, well, they're a good police. Well, of course there are. It's like when you say Black Lives Matter, well, all lives matter. Of course they do. But we're not talking about the good officers. And by right. the way, the good officers are being hurt by this too. Yeah. Because those, that that one officer, again, this is going to be controversial, I think, for some people. The, the, the officer who's been charged with just standing there, it's like his second day on the job. I was like, yeah. did you ever see the movie Training Day? I'm sure yeah. at some point he was like, is this Training Day? Because like, <laughs> I can't imagine my second day on the job. And you're thinking like, wait, and this is a superior. That was his training officer. Just that, yeah. I felt like that was Denzel Washington and the movie Training Day. Like, are, this could not be happening. This dude's first or second day on the job. That doesn't mean he shouldn't have been compelled to do what's right, but we don't always right. do what's right. And I'm not excusing anything, and we'll see more and hear more as this plays out in the courts. But my gut reaction when I learned that he'd just been on the job a, a few days was that these officers are putting the others in danger. Yeah. Yep. It's well, a great a, way to say that's it. That's an excellent point. That's excellent. So how's the show going? You still The show uh, is going great. We are we are entering our uh home stretch of the summer. We've got July yep. coming up. We've got I talk about our transition. We're giving away stuff every Monday on the show. We're bringing a little fun, a little joy, um, because we can all use it. Um, so we're, we are, summer is definitely so far, um, at least a lot of it focused in. I'm just trying to bring a smile to yep. everyone's face. We all need it. We're all tight. My head is hurting half the time. I wake up. I don't want to turn on the phone. I do say the silver lining, even in this whole uh, having to FaceTime and video conference, we do get to see each other. You know, and I, I miss seeing my team, but we're in it. Um, we're excited about the second season. We don't know how that's going to go. We're going to be in studio, out studio, but we have our second season on the way. And thank goodness for modern technology that allows us to continue the show. Because think about this. 
five years ago, we've even done. It was like, yeah, Hall had one season uh, and we're done. I say that, I mean, like with a local TV station and we've been able to get 150 employees out. We're doing, there's shows we do on the weekend with no one in the building. Right. <laughs> That's <laughs> phenomenal. Never, never mind That's- five years ago. If you told me that four months ago, I would have said you were crazy. <laughs> one of the amazing things about this is that the resourcefulness, not just of our industry, but in general, and the reflection of what do you really need and what can you do without all of those things that I really need. My husband even said the other day, he goes, I'm thinking about all the money we, you know, blew going out to dinners. You could have been cooking. I'm like, no, you could have been cooking. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I mean, like, somebody could have been cooking. Although I will say the restaurants can use a little of your money oh, time listen, right now. I'm team restaurant. We order it. Listen, you know me. I'm all about, I, my whole life is about going to a restaurant, but it's the balance. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no, I we've been supporting our local businesses and doing everything we can. And I, a lot of local small businesses that I support, I've sent them all a note saying, hey, is there anything in there I can buy? I'm going to have an emotional purchase right now. I'm going to spontaneously spend money here. What you got? You know, tell you what, uh, the scotch industry has done pretty well with me. Oh my, me too. I, listen, I, I have never even ordered a case of wine until now. I was like, I'll have the case. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, I'll take the case. I'm so glad. I'm up. so glad that was considered essential. <laughs> You're right. right. Yes. I'm like, I don't need to mix it up. Just give me one case of that. I'll take yeah. it. But yeah, yeah. So the show's going great. I'm very proud of the work that my team is doing. I'm happy that we were able to keep a great number of our employees on, which uh, to your point, we nobody expected. Yeah. And I, I'm with all of the difficult days that we've had, I know the best of who we are will eventually shine. It did after 9-11. It did after many moments where we thought it was over game, set, match. And it, you know, it's a new world. And, and I'm with like you every day, trying to pull the victories out of it yeah. and acknowledging the losses and, and how learn, I can do and better. Learn, and learn through it. Yeah, and learn through it. And that's that's the core of what we're doing. So. Oh, Tamron, you're awesome. You're so optimistic. I love it. She, she's, ter- she's terrific. You are. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So you guys, we just have to hang in there and know that at the end of the day, I sound like Michael Jordan now, which I've been obsessed with, The Last Dance. I think he We've says watched at the end it. of the day. Isn't it oh, so good? It's it's gospel. It oh, my required. God. It, it, it should be required. So it's it, so good. Not wow. only was it fantastic, do, do either of you have Peloton? <sighs> oh, yeah. So yes, there's a I, there's a last dance ride. Oh, how does it's that a, work? It's, a, it's amazing. Oh my god! Okay, I'm getting on. I'm telling you, and I know a lot of people like you know they mixed feelings about Jordan. I am Team Jordan all the way in this. I'm like oh. I want to play with someone that dedicated, that ruthless because if it makes you better, yes, I'm game. Isn't I, it? I, lo- I love the mind games that he played. It was so. Yes. Oh my god, so he hyped himself up. He's like, no, he never really said it, but it hyped me up. <laughs> Terry, I'm wired. I saw him do Good Morning America with Robin Roberts, and maybe that was because they they've probably had like an, a long standing yeah. relationship. Did you guys ever try to get him on the show? Oh, listen, I lived in Chicago for ten years. He was really? elusive chantreuse, to quote Mariah Carey. Really? Um, no, I think it's because ESPN and. Um, ESPN has, you know, ABC. And right. I think that's why they got him. No, and by the way, watching, and I lived in Chicago during those years after his father was killed and all that. I now understand why he is hesitant to talk to the media. Yeah. Because that whole chapter of, you know, the father's death and the gambling and how it was handled. And, you know, imagine, you know, he was, 
they, they alluded all out said he may have had, you know, gambling issues and that caused his father's death. So I get some of that for sure. But let me tell you, the, the the reaction to Isaiah Washington, I my goal is to hold a grudge as long as Michael Jordan holds a grudge. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Okay. No, I'm horrible there. I'm like, okay, they said they were sorry. Fine. They didn't mean it. Okay. Michael Jordan is like, ha, 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 ha. I will hold this grudge for Yeah. yeah. I mean, tw- 23 years later, you still have the death stare. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Oh my God. It was so good. It was so good. Tamron, thank you so much thank for joining you. us. Yes. I, I know you're busy. I really appreciate it. It's a candid conversation. I can't, I can't thank you enough. Tamron, right, you're amazing. Care. Thank you. I love Bye, you guys. Bye. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Sarah. Bye.